0: This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Hello everyone, happy new year and welcome back to Live Better with Natasha. Now, to get this month kicked off with a bang, I have got one of my all-time favourite people, one of my closest friends and an all-round badass MF. This Love is it. the incredible Danny Wallace.
1: Hello, <laughs> Natasha Hamilton in the house. Danny Wallace in the I made up. Woo! Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for coming in because... One, we've been, we've both been really busy and I've just kind of been watching you on all the socials going, oh my God, I'm so proud. <laughs> you have been making, I mean, you've been creating waves for a while now. Yeah. But like from when I met you to now, like in that 15 months maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just seeing you, I'm like, oh my God, like this is up level, 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 level. Um, and You're just inspiring. You inspire me like... You, you just know what you're doing you've got the knack you're an absolute like you're, you're a motivator you motivate people you, let, well, let's talk a little bit more about you and what it is that you do and why you're doing what you do.
1: Yeah, it's um it's a funny one. For, for those of us that haven't met before, my name is Danny Wallace and I am the Queen Bee, which is a completely audacious statement to make uh when you're walking in places or declaring yourself the Queen Bee, but it's much less about me and much more about the people that I come into contact with. So I was born on the council estates of Preston and I was furious, Tash, when I found out the Queen was born the Queen. And she was born into, into riches and abundance, and I was not uh, <laughs> at all. And um I was furious, I'll be honest. Well, the name Queen, right? <laughs> right. So, um, so, so what? It, wh- I, so I grew up in 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 this space, and what I realized in overcoming lots of adversities. I'm sure we'll talk about that over the course of the conversation we, we're going to have today. But I realized that actually, wealth and abundance and success and happiness and peace and all the good things in life actually are my birthright. I've just got to be a bit more tenacious about going about it. And the funny it's funny you should say about my trajectory over the past sort of two years, eight, the 18 months to two years, it has been a conscious decision and strategy after having been fearful so long, after being afraid so long of things like coming off of, benefits or you know or um frightened that I wasn't ready to take my space up at the table even though I've got decades of experience on stage and in corporate and in business and what I did is I I made this decision that you know what I was going to take up my space I wanted to help people I wanted to help particularly people who may be scared of sharing what it is that they're here to do Help them share that out of the mouths and into the ears of other people. So I'm a public speaking coach predominantly now, uh, but I have this whole movement called the I Am the Queen Bee Movement. And I have a show on my fake tele show on Facebook called the show at Wise Up, Rise Up Show. And um, yeah, and it's all kind of grown from there. It's dead exciting. So you help other people find their voice. Right. Because everyone has a story
0: to tell. For sure. Probably most of us, me included, because that's Mm why I came to you. I started working with you because I didn't know where to start. And there's this common story that most people tell themselves is, who wants to listen to me? Why am I important? You
1: know, what can I offer the world? Yeah, and I think for you as well, Tash, that, um, that there was a lot that people already knew about you, but they didn't know you. Mm. And and when you when you start to share that bit of yourself and people don't just buy from people, people buy people, people want to engage with and hang out with people who they connect with. And, you know, Natasha, the pop star, as opposed to Natasha, the person that, you know, the the friend who I love dearly and who has got this incredible story that runs underneath all of the media stuff and the music business stuff. Was the person that you were scared of sharing, but is the person that now that you share on a regular basis and the world is falling in love with like all over again, it's just amazing to see. But like you say, it's so common that when we start to share our heart story, the things that have happened to us or to and for us, I guess, people go, oh, it's not very interesting or people aren't going to want to know that. Whereas actually... They do because whatever it is that you've experienced is somebody else's survival guide, especially if you've created success for yourself. So yeah, helping people share why they do what they do in a compelling way really kind of lit me up as it's definitely a skill that I brought to the table when I thought, you know, I want to help people fly anyway. I want to help them do the things and get the success and their wealth and the abundance and all the nice things that is their birthright. Is their birthright? I think a lot of people
0: unconsciously create a version that they feel like this is the version that I present to the world. Yep. This is like the version I present to social media. Yep. And then this is me, like behind closed doors, just being right. me, effing and jeffing, screaming at the kids, <laughs> grabbing a bottle of wine way too early.
1: <laughs> Which we both do together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's what people relate to. Right, that's the common thread. Yeah. We're all
1: common people. Like we're all the same, for sure. And we 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 forget this of each other. We think that we've got to show up in a certain way. We've got to be a certain way. But actually, you've just got to be who you are. And the the whole point of what it is that I do, I know the whole point of what it is that you do, is that it's taking steps towards loving and accepting yourself. That is the key in unlocking all of this. And this is not just that oh, you've got to love yourself. You've got a biggest. It's not that. It's this genuine, this, this getting back and this reconnection to the fact that you are absolutely bob on as you are. Even if you've got things to learn, even if you are imperfect, even if you, you know, you do open a bottle of wine after having a stressful day homeschooling the kids. Because at the time that we're recording this, we are in lockdown version like 3.0. But showing it up, it...
0: it's it, it, well, it's just gone half three. The school day has ended. To be fair, the school day never began. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. We didn't do it. We've all been feeling a little bit crappy and run down. And right. I said, what's the point? Like, let's
1: yeah. just chill. Yeah. And and allowing allowing yourself to be okay with yourself is probably one of the first steps that you can take for anyone listening out there to moving yourself forward actually starting where you are and being okay regardless of what you think you need to do or what you need to create or what you need to do for yourself actually starting where you are is perfect showing up like that is perfect and actually makes you much more approachable say if you're in business and you're growing a business or you're you, you know you want to grow your social media or whatever it is you might not want to do that if you're listening to this but if you do showing up as yourself and, and starting on that journey of loving and accepting yourself and being kind to yourself
0: yeah. is
1: one of those one of those really important things of one of the first steps that you can make in, in creating that abundance for yourself and that's however you measure it if abundance yeah. for you is more time it might be more health it might be more wealth it might be more mates it might be whatever it is you talk about being kind to ourselves but
0: what happens over time is we become embedded and embroiled in certain relationships Mm -hmm. detrimental um what's the words i'm looking for like situation yeah yeah you know life happens and it knocks away at you so i want to just go back to when you were younger like before Mm -hmm. you grew you know you stepped into your warrior like yeah what was life like for you like tell the listeners what you went through because I w- w- want people to really understand that. We're not sat here is these polished like versions of us. like it's blood no, it's so much to go. but where you've come from, especially Diane, you've come in such a long such a long way, haven't you? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so you know I was saying right at the beginning, so I grew up on the Council states of Preston, and one of the things that I experienced growing up and a lot of people will experience this, particularly in deprived areas, but this happens generationally across the classes, is um, generational domestic violence, generational poor money mindset, and... Um, When I say generational domestic abuse, domestic violence, like my dad was a heavy, heavy drinker. He was an alcoholic. And um, there was a lot of sort of emotional game playing in the house uh, where he was concerned. He was abusive towards my mum and then later on towards us. It was very chaotic. But then if I look back the way, my grandma and my granddad on both sides, aunties, uncles on either side, friends and family surrounding us, there was no real, like, good we were deprived growing up. We were of good men, good male role models, just good dads, even good, you know, good human beings who were of the male persuasion. We were there weren't any. I can't really think of any apart from my music teacher Ian Gray. Like holler out to him because he was amazing. Um, but what that did is that informed a lot of the decisions that I made as I grew older. So as a child, and I was the youngest of lots of cousins and there was me and my sister, but my house was quite chaotic. We was like a revolving door of people coming to stay with us because everyone else's lives were chaotic. Um, and, And I had this need, this like external validation. I was an extrovert by nature, but also I needed to be kind of loud to be heard because there was so much noise going on elsewhere. And I would really seek external validation and it really in- it informed a lot of the decisions that I made as I grew older. So at 16, 17-ish, I essentially ran away with a circus and went singing all over the world. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, but uh, in, the back of, in the back of my mind all the time and my family at home was like, you've got to get a proper job. So I came back to the UK because singing, of course, Tash, as we know, isn't a proper job, is it? You <laughs> <amazing. laughs> to, uh,
0: to uh, your careers officer when your school's run by nuns. What do you want when you're older, Tash? A singer or
1: a spy? <laughs> you're like, there's nothing down for this girl. <laughs> I love it. How did the spy thing work out for you? We're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> you're disguised as a singer, really. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but so, yeah, I, I, essentially what I did is I ran away. I didn't realise, it's only looking back that that's what I did, is I ran away from the chaos at home and I went to go and create my own chaos elsewhere. But the relationship choices that I made weren't great. I wanted to create some stability. So in my life, in my late teens, early 20s, I wanted to create this like 2.4 children's situation. And there was a husband-shaped hole and it didn't really matter who filled it, just the first kind man. I just wanted somebody who wasn't horrid. And it turns out, you know, the first kind man that I came along was, he was, he was that, he was kind. And we, um, we got a house and I came back to the UK, got an incredible job with corporate, had a baby, um, but he just wasn't ready for it. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't driven or ambitious or any of those things. And he was very, very young. And he woke up one day and he just said, I don't want any of this. And it was, this is like two weeks after we sent out the invites to our wedding. That was all bought and paid for. Oh,
0: and yeah. he, Thanks, mate. <laughs> I'm glad he <laughs> you know, didn't. thought about that a few months ago. <laughs> um, oh, man, um, honest to God.
1: i'm I'm glad i'm glad he did he did me a huge favor at the time obviously my world felt like it was falling to pieces it was my life wasn't going to plan i was trying to control it in a way that that i really shouldn't have been trying to control it i was i was trying to control everything around me and not myself um and so no wonder he just woke up and he was like you know what i don't want this but that left me feeling really vulnerable so very quickly directly after that um in that state of vulnerability, and I think a lot of women or people of that persuasion find themselves that when they've had a breakup that's catastrophic like that, they will often seek another relationship to try and build themselves back up again. And I was seeking external validation. It's the
0: world's worst. <laughs>
1: I was seeking that external validation. I was seeking from outside of myself. And very quickly I got into another relationship and that turned sour. And I I hate saying I was a victim of domestic abuse, Tash, but I, I experienced domestic abuse and it was it wasn't great. Um, so I very quickly had another baby with this person as one of the I guess symptoms is that maybe is the right term that the perpetrator will often encourage. Uh, you know the 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 victim to to get pregnant in order to anchor them to their mm-hmm. particular space. So I had my second child, Daisy, who's just beautiful, it was a ray of sunshine. So Bobby and Daisy. Um, but then when I was four months pregnant, that abusive relationship turned violent. So we needed to have some intervention from the courts. We got an injunction. Um, but again, you can imagine I was pretty vulnerable. So not long after that, uh, I was trying to keep my two kids in nursery. And as you know, nursery is really expensive, especially for babies. And um, it was like two mortgages. So I was like on the bread line, even though I had a good job, we were going to food banks and I had a great job going to and from London. I couldn't afford to keep my mortgage. Because it was all I could do with the headspace that I was in and my mental health was in, on the floor was keep my kids in nursery. Um, and we ended up losing the house. We ended up being, uh, we, we ended up, ha- well, we were homeless. So we were sofa surfing, me and the two little ones, um, for a number of months with friends and, and family. And it got pretty dark, as you can imagine. And it got to one day, I was tucking the kids into beds and they were staying at my mum's that particular night. We, we couldn't go and stay in a refuge because I was earning too much to stay in a refuge, but not enough to get, it was just... It was it that really strange bracket that so many people find themselves slipping through the cracks on, um, and they were staying at my mum's that night, and I took them into bed and I was about to go to London and I was crying. It was like out of a movie, tash It was raining outside and I'm sat in the car and I'm crying and and I I didn't know whether I was kissing them goodbye or goodnight that night, and I, it was very much that maybe I didn't want to die but I didn't know how to live I just didn't know how I I couldn't for the life of me make a good decision I just didn't know what to do I didn't know how to ask for help I was ashamed I was so ashamed um and that didn't help from the months and months and months of abuse that I'd received from from my previous partner um you know this shame What, what was the shame like what was the
0: the basis of the shame where was
1: that coming from it was it was the I couldn't hold a relationship down even though I tried desperately, um, it was that I had two kids by two different dads. That no sh- I know there's no shame in that. The reason
0: I asked that question is because, you know, what you're talking about, I can relate to a lot. Right. Because my children do have different dads. Right. I don't talk about a lot. Well, mm-hmm. because it makes me feel uncomfortable because right. it's been written in the press, like this salacious dirty thing um and for many years I couldn't cope with what my personal situation was right and I spiraled down and down and down into depression Mm. um you know if I open my social media and someone had put like you slag on there right um I like I'd almost be physically sick I hear that I'd be shaking I'd be crying I wouldn't eat I lost Mm. weight um and it was it was other people around me going, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, like, we we all know the circumstance. Mm-hmm. No one else cares
1: about you. It was interesting. I had a, a media piece um, written about me last year. Uh, and, and the media piece was about the charitable work that I'd done over the course of... Um, the summer first lockdown in fact you were a part of it we did the big festoon I interviewed loads of different people through the day and we raised tens of thousand pounds for charity and there was a a, a media piece that was done about me and it said it told some of my story and the reason why I was raising money I was raising money for women's aid and Gallup which is the LGBTQ um, domestic violence charity And uh, at the bottom in the comments, and for anybody that has any media, don't go to the comments. That's where the trolls hide. It's like your media is the bridge and the trolls live under it. Don't go to the comments. Never read the bottom section. And there was just this... This so this whole piece was about the work that I'd done and the fact that you know I'd created this incredible movement and that we you know raised ten, uh, tens of thousands of pounds for charity and it just said obviously it, 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 not obviously but it was a guy three kids by three different dads nice <laughs> and it was it was that so there was some shame ar- around that previously I don't have any shame around that now because my kids are beautiful and they would not be who they are were it not for their biology right. Yeah.
0: Listen, it has frustrated me for years because recently I kind of came back saying, hey, I'm going to be doing some music, but I've also been creating this brand and I'm helping people with their wellness. And, you know, I've had this transformation. I had a breakdown. It was my breakthrough. And the article that was written name checked dads, like who the fuck are they in this, <laughs> like in this, like in, in relation to this article. Right because it was their way of just making sure everyone knew, oh, yes, yeah, you know one with the th- kids with the different dads. And do you know what? It really upset me. And then I got really upset for being upset. <laughs> well, it's, it's annoying that people won't let you move on and won't recognize what you've achieved. And it's like, right. I always think, so what? Right. There's one common thread here mummy dearest <laughs> who's, brought them, who's brought them
1: all up into right fantastic kids so what's the problem yeah for sure and as well that really takes away from the kids i have three girls poppy daisy and ivy They're my wildflowers uh, they are my wild they are i have some foliage to finish off my bouquet but like the, the, it takes away the fact that they are who they are whether I like it or not, because of their biology, and I, God, I love them viciously, and they are amazing, all of them completely different, all of them these amazing, incredible human beings mm-hmm. who I believe, you know, everyone, you know, every every soul chooses a, a body or a mum to be born to, you regardless of how long you, you know, you, you get to be with that body or that that family or whatever. I I got chosen by my girls, you know, whether anyone out there believes that or not. They wouldn't be who they are were it not for their biology. I'm not ashamed of that. In fact, everything that I learned through all of those experiences allows me now, in this moment, in this very conversation, to go out and help other people who may have been in a similar position or who may have experienced some degree of adversity and not know what to do with themselves. Like, what a blessing that is. I'm not ashamed of having three kids by three different dads. I celebrate my three girls who are phenomenal just as all your kids are phenomenal ladies. absolutely how can you make that can't be shameful how can that be shameful i've made three wonderful human beings and we're going to go on to do amazing things in the world like i'm made up i'm proud of that but at the time yeah there was some shame around that there was shame around it's men who've had children they got so in the seeds <laughs> they in all the mums <laughs>
0: Never happens, And it just. <laughs> I'm on me, I'm on me, little. i Bring out the soapbox. We've got it, Tash. Stand on it. Preach it, sister. I'm here. But yeah,
1: anyway, I'm going to show up now, but it is interesting. We should do a Clubhouse on this subject. I am here for this. This Clubhouse thing is fascinating. I'm very excited to be on there. We're going to have to do some rooms and things. If anyone's got on the iOS platform, um, come and find us on on Clubhouse because we're going to do some exciting things over there. Um, But yeah, so the the shame was around as well that I had a really good job. I was... I was a lead trainer for a global company. I was, you know, training directors and junior leaders, senior leaders, helping them lead. And my life was in tatters underneath me. If I actually spoke about where I was feeling in my head and in my heart, no one would have taken me seriously. It wasn't, even though it was 12, 13 years ago now, 10, 10, 13 years ago, um, there wasn't the same language or open dialogue as there is now like with podcasts like this, Tash, and all of the social media that we see and this more open conversation around blended families, around mental health, around all of that sort of stuff. That Yeah, I was carrying a lot of shame, but I had to decide in that moment and the rain was crashing down outside and I'm crying and all of this is going on and I was like, oh, the common denominator is me here. I've got to take some responsibility for some of my outcomes because I can't now spend the rest of my life living my life trying to go forward and looking in the rearview mirror. I've got to make some decisions over how responsible I am for everything that I do going forward. And the answer to myself was, well, you're responsible for everything that happens now going forward. You're responsible for your outcomes. You're responsible, your actions and your reactions to whatever situation you are served will dictate what happens next for you. So say if you're, you're, for example, you're throwing this curveball, say partner, an ex-partner of yours really gets up in your grill. How you respond to that person will dictate what's going to happen next. Mm. How you respond when you get maybe a diagnosis that isn't favorable for you will dictate what happens next, what you do with your life. So you're always, even if you're not in control of your outcomes, you are responsible for how you react to them and that will help dictate what your outcomes are. And that was a big realisation that night. And it was really from there that I went on to create the life that I've got now, started to take decisions, this wicked quote from um, the bee movie. And, it's, um, and it, it's not the proper, proper quote. It goes something along the lines of a bee aerodynamically shouldn't be able to fly. Its little wing shouldn't get its fat little body off the ground. The bee, however, doesn't care what humans think is impossible. The bee flies anyway. And that was like, I've got, I get that. I'm here for that. And then I built my business around that very thought. <laughs> and it's so
0: true what you're saying, because for me, when I wasn't taking responsibility well, not just my actions, but what was going on around me. I was right. in survival mode. And the minute I started taking responsibility, I was in thriving mode. Right. Because I was being proactive. I was yeah. doing something. You know, it was so easy for me to go, oh, ah, I can't cope with me, you know, and then just go in a little pity party. Yeah. I did kind of like, I always managed to get past it and get through it, but I wasn't in a good place. No. And then it was like, okay, so I need to, I have to take responsibility yeah. for how I'm reacting to this and change the, change the response.
1: And it's not a comfortable thing to admit to yourself either, especially if you've been sitting within your own victimhood for quite some time, and I had. You know, I'd been quite the merry victim, if you will, in that things were happening to me, or life was happening to me. Mm-hmm. And actually the, the realisation that I could happen to life, suddenly I had to do something about it because then going forward, the only person to blame would be me if I didn't get out of that situation. So what did I need to do? And I think one of the one of the key things was start asking for help. There was no shame then in asking for help, but getting on the phone to things like Citizens Advice Bureau. And I, I was very lucky that not long after that, friends of my sister were buying the house that I'm currently living in. Um, and we managed to kind of get in with, you know, without a deposit, we paid our rent every month and stuff and built things up. Now we're just about to move into our dream house, which we're really excited about, but it was all taking, it was that taking responsibility. You have to own it. You can't let life happen to you. Life doesn't happen to you. It is bigger than that. You've got more choice than that. Whether you, like to think that or not if you think that life just happens to you and that's it and you're sat in woe is me mode you're mistaken you're getting it wrong because it doesn't was there it or is there a specific
0: moment where you kind of woke up or was it just a
1: accumulation of lots of things happening it was that moment in the car it was that and I was crying I was like I mean not to uh, offer a trigger warning if you like, I do I wrap my car around a lamppost here? Mm-hmm. what's the easiest way for me to not be a burden to anybody mm-hmm. and then realizing that I have complete existential crisis and I've done since I was four years old, and that wasn't really an option because I was too scared. okay, so how do I go on how do i how do I go on living? How do I do that and it was it was there in the car that night where I was like this is this is it you've got to make a decision right now. And then it was a series of small decisions after that. And what I did then, Tash, was start to surround myself with the people that I aspired to be like, with the people that were doing the things that I actually really wanted to do, start to befriend those people, start to hang out in those spaces, start to consume things that weren't mainstream media or hairdresser magazines and things like that, which are great. They're great if you are not feeling vulnerable, but actually galvanizing myself with things like great, self-development Big, like podcasts like yours and uh jensen chair you are a badass was a wicked book at the time that i read that really woke me up listening to people like tony robbins gala darling lisa nichols les brown they became my friends in my head you know what and then also what
0: i i started doing like when we became friends we become facebook friends i just went and checked out who your friends were and i said like, yeah oh who Use Danny's cool friends, and then yeah. I followed them, and then their feeds were coming through, and they were inspirational and motivational and doers and and creators and speakers, motivators. So all of a sudden, you can quite quickly change the feed that you're seeing, even if you are into social media. Right. Like now, right. my feed is full of lifestyle, wellness, right. inspiration, uh, pretty awesome people. Like. When people say to me, oh, I hate Facebook, it's doom and gloom. You are not, hanging out in the wrong places, my I friend. I have not, like, I've not blocked anyone, you know, like, <laughs> I don't have to block anyone, I don't have to, like, mute anyone. It's just I've purposely chosen who I want to be surrounded by. Yeah. And you to have that kind of, that that um,
1: clear out of energy and the yeah. right energy in place, don't you? Oh, of course, absolutely. And you... You can feel it. If you've you've never really kind of curated your social media, and I don't mean your output, I mean your input, what you're consuming when you're in your scroll holes, when you're sat there and you're kind of blindly and mindlessly scrolling through, at least if you're going to do that, read some good things. Don't just sit there with a popcorn out looking at what, I don't know, Sharon's doing down the road, Oh, there's a kickoff, why the police out in the area, that sort of stuff. You don't want to be... You don't want to be looking at that sort of stuff. So that ain't going to move you forward. That's not going to build you up. That's not looking after your mental health. Finding the people that say the things that inspire you so you get to see that every day. My feed is ace. And it's full of really funny people as well. Like. <laughs> it is absolutely.
0: <laughs> so last year marked the release of your book. Ah, yeah, it did. I Am the Queen Bee. Yes.
1: So how's it gone? Tell us more about it. I wasn't ready for how well it did. <laughs> <laughs> I, was kind of, I knew when I was writing it, it was going to be special because it, it, writing a book has been on, as it is for many, it's been on my vision board for a long, long time. And one of the, the thing is, I love writing. I love speaking and that's my job. And I love to write as I speak. And what I ended up doing is I created like a, a thread of talks uh, that speak specifically to overcoming self-sabotage, because this is what what the one thing that I kept coming back to was, and when we were talking about responsibility before, is that I would take responsibility, get so far and get scared, and do silly things to stop myself, sometimes completely subconsciously. And we're all guilty of doing this. So the book became like a manual and a reflection on how I overcame self-sabotage. And that's mixed in with the learnings that I did, um, you know, with, with around the psychology of self-sabotage, um, people who teach how to overcome self-sabotage. It's like a bit of pulling together of my life story and what, what I've experienced and how specifically I overcame self-sabotage. And it charts the story of, you know, my 37 years on the earth a little bit at the beginning around how difficult it was, kind of growing up and those relationships that were difficult. But then it charts the last eighteen months to two years and the things that I actually did that created this trajectory. And the book was all part of the, it was all part of the plan is to create that because survivors serve people who have survived something will often reach their hand behind and we go, hey, guess what? There's an easy, there's an easy way. I wrote you a little book about it. Here you go. Um, <laughs> but, but what I wasn't ready for was how well it did it became an international bestseller on the day it was released and uh, in in like 17-18 different categories on Amazon and wow. we were the reviews that have been coming through have been phenomenal I yesterday I got an email saying thank you you completely changed my life I'm like Whoa. didn't knew that it was special when I was writing it and I released a whole program off the back of it called move be get out of the way I'm waiting for someone to like get on me about the copyright around that I think I've been a bit naughty but still I'm gonna keep it going for as long as I'm allowed um but yeah there's a program that came out off of the back of it speaking specifically to getting over self-sabotage there've been so many wins and life changes within that and just having that impact has been mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing and people that I don't know my mum was saying to me the other day (laughs) You came up in my newsfeed from somebody who you just won't know, Danny, that they bought your book and they were saying how amazing it is. And I had to tell them that you you were my daughter and oh, it was, yeah. famous in my one. own front room. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's been
0: amazing to watch and I look to you as someone who inspires me every day. Um, I was lucky to work with you last year because Good. I was just stepping on the ladder of finding my inner warrior and yeah, my voice. I mean, oh, where- and
1: owning your whole story in its wholeness and and really being led by your heart and that was such a pleasure to be a part of and to be holding your hand through that and linking arms with you through that it was that was amazing a brilliant experience for me as well as your friend. Actually,
0: with the show notes to this podcast. Um, we'll obviously put a link to your book, but I'll also put a link to my um, my speaker, my talk when I when I talked at your event. Because yes, if, like I actually
1: cried on stage, <laughs> <laughs> like a big baby. I probably did the worst thing that somebody could do. Either I got I stood at the back of the room and I was like Charlie, get your eyes just look at me and keep talking. <laughs> I just totally lost it, but.
0: I feel like from then I thought, I mean, I know I cried, but
1: was it as scary as I made it out to be? No. It was very liberating. It was, and do you know what, you say you cried, it wasn't like you broke down sobbing, it was emotional is what it was. And I think that when you allow yourself to be that kind of vulnerable, it becomes clear that whoever you are even when you're in the public eye you're a person you're a human being and somebody who deserves love and kindness and lifting up just as much as the next person and when you shared yourself within that vulnerability i think that was a real kind of almost like a coming of age all over again for you was to step into that and allow yourself to be vulnerable in those you didn't have to put it on there was no one going to write a newspaper article about the time that tasha hamilton cried on stage it was in this beautiful safe space can you imagine the headline if someone had actually thought to do it ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but because it was in this safe bubble where you was allowed to to be vulnerable and just share from the heart actually what you did is create something beautiful for yourself and a, a beautiful memory for everybody in that room but then also as you're as everything that you've done has grown and developed, it's come from that real heart space. And that for me is the, the reason why I do what I do, and it's such a joy exactly. to watch.
0: And you are so good at getting that out to people and making them feel comfortable and confident to go out there and do it. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to have you could literally sit here. I was like, can I just go and get another the brew we'll just carry on for another hour? I'd yeah. love to. <laughs> but it's been absolutely amazing chatting with you i hope that today's podcast has given you the listener a little bit of support a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of motivation if you want to look at danny and anything she does a little bit
1: more then you can reach her at the queen bee danny all the way across the socials and you can get a hold of a copy of uh, my book i am the queen bee uh on the amazon
0: that is at i am the
1: queen bee danny Yes, it's the Queen Bee Danny across everything. So if you want to go on my website, it's www.iamthequeenbee.co.uk. But if you search The Queen Bee Danny, whether you're on Twitter or whether you're on Clubhouse or whether you're on uh, Instagram or wherever, you will find me there, resplendent in yellow and black. <laughs> As always, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. I love you loads.
0: Thank, Thank you for coming too. on
1: today. Thanks for having me. I love you. Love you. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans and listeners into paying clients and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this This very podcast, Ultimate Podcast Group, your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs. For more information, click the link in the show notes now.